0: Welcome to this week's episode of Eye of the Swarm, your place to get anything and everything, Yellow Jacket Athletics. I am John Garver, and as always I'm joined by our sound engineer, Elliot Sweary, and the big sound Matt Johnson. And it's uh how wet have we been over the last week? I'll tell you how wet we've been, Matt, is uh I found out that both of both shoes, pairs of shoes that I wear regularly yeah. leaked. Oh, so it ended up being a shoe shopping week.
1: <laughs> oh, you went shoe shopping because you <laughs> had you're... to. Oh, wow. Everything I had was taken on water. Well, last time we were here, um, I believe you said something about a duck coming in for landing. Yeah, a duck landed out in the courtyard. Yep. You know. And then, uh, yeah, on the way over. I think the walk over from your office to yep. where we're broadcasting from or recording from, I should say. Yep. Right now. But, uh, wow. I didn't realize you had to go uh, for a full uh, shoe shopping adventure on top of everything else. No. Well, like I said, my, my
0: normal footwear... I really only have two or three pair that I work through, and all of them leaked in the last week. Oh wow! Yeah, that's so it, was, uh, it was a rough one. Yeah, it was that's rough tough because anybody who knows me knows I cannot stand going into stores. I hate it. Shopping hate some, is like one of the worst rough. things ever. And These I got online, the ones I'm wearing but right I, now, and I I don't mind the online thing, but I for shoes it doesn't work for me. Okay, it does not work just because of the width of my feet it causes problems. So I, I have to actually physically try them on.
1: Well, see, like for me, like I'm wearing Brooks right now. And this is kind of a, US, a UWS, I should say, like tie-in here um, because I've been wearing New Balance for a long time. Like that's been kind of my go-to shoe for a while in terms of like just active tennis shoes or walking shoes or whatever. Um, and then I was kind of like, well, but they don't really support my arts. I ended up getting pretty bad plantar fasciitis out of it. Um, and so I decided I wanted to kind of branch out a little bit and actually uh, – uh, UWS men's basketball alum Shaq Coleman turned me on to Brooks because he said they're really good. He's like, "Because I have wide feet and I have high arches too, and I suffer from the same things. So you should look at Brooks." And so I went on Amazon and looked at Brooks, and I was looking for size twelve. And I'm like, "Okay, I'll just let's try these." And one of the questions they have on there is, "Do you want wide or extra wide?" Like that's one of the. Whew. And I just I that's was kind don't know of where like- I would fall. Yeah, well, these are just normal wide. Like, these are not, like, the extra wide. I don't even know what the extra wide would be like because my feet are wide, and I've easily fit into these. Like, there was no stretching, nothing. But he told me that they, they clue into a little bit more or they tend to run a little bit wider in the feet. Okay. That's one of the reasons why I don't wear Nikes or anything because they're too slender. Like, I always bust my feet out of the side. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I went with Brooks, and... Um, yeah, it's been great. I love these shoes. I'll probably just keep getting them as long as Brooks keeps making them. <laughs> you know, like, and I got them on a deal. I got them, I like, think they were like down like thirty three percent, like cut price on sure. the on the original price. The original price was like seventy five, so I got these about fifty dollars. Not bad. Yeah, not bad at all. So because that's I'm... the
0: other thing is shoes are expensive. Yeah, exactly, and that's why you don't want to have to buy them a lot. So right, shoes are expensive, and so you don't want to buy them a lot. You don't want to buy many pair right at once this is my only
1: pair that i that are active shoes like everything else is either a boot or a semi-dressy shoe these are like i I break them down i've got like four pairs i've got super like gore-tex boots for like when it's cold and you have to walk around outside and then i've got hiking boots that i wear quite often then i've got these shoes and then i've got two pairs of somewhat dressy shoes i've got the the, the, um, the really dressy ones and then i've got um, a pair of almost like black loafers that I wear when I'm broadcasting. Usually, you know, I think you've seen me in them. But, yep. um, that's it. Like I don't branch out
0: much further than that. No, I don't either. I mean, I can basically count my shoes on one hand, and that's a, a fraction of what my wife has. I've never Women seen always it. have more. I've never seen so many pairs of shoes in my
1: life as what my wife has in the various <laughs> locations of our house. Well, women get new shoes, I feel like, for everything. Like There's a, certain shoes and purses that go with outfits and stuff. And this gets to be a lot of work for me. So like, I, that's one of the things I don't understand about women, just a, just a slight a detour from the it's topic It's a long list hand, but, for me, but, a, but that's, uh, a, that's a different conversation. My sister, my mom just complained about how many pairs of shoes my sister had when we were still living under the same roof. I mean, she's talked about the fact that my sister had like 20, 30 pairs of shoes. And Whenever my sister moved, you had to throw all of her books and her shoes into one bag, and that was like an 80-pound bag. Like, it became <laughs> this thing like we were drawing straws, my dad and I, like who wants to carry the shoe bag? Because there's so many shoes and boots and high heels and other things. It was just like, wow, this is
0: getting a little out of hand. You should have made her carry the bag, and then she could understand that. Maybe I have to downsize a little bit.
1: Oh, my sister doesn't. Maybe I have a a shoe problem. Yeah, my sister, she doesn't do that. She just sort of like directs traffic, and then she kind of wigs out because it's all too stressful. Too many things moving at once, And finally, my dad and I lose patience, and we just start moving stuff. Too many things moving at once. Yeah. Mm. Sound familiar?
0: (laughs) Yes. It does. It's actually a good segue because uh, we we had home events on Wednesday, and that was the end of a stretch where we had 56 home events in 75 days. If you go back to January 26th when we dropped the puck for an exhibition women's hockey game. Right. Between then and Wednesday, 56 home events. And I... I just I looked at it. I, I'm counting these up, going, wow. The last that is a crazy stretch. Yeah, that is. is a lot. Well, and, and I feel like-, like, well, it's not even one event a day. No, it's not. But it feels like though it came to a head like in the last <clears throat> ten days too. Like it really. Picked- it's been a very yeah. busy stretch, you know, because it, when we first started, it was just the winter sports, and that's somewhat normal. Yeah, four sports. And with the way yeah. that it, the scheduling was structured, it, it wasn't overwhelming. Right. Because you you had. Hockey on Wednesday and Friday. You had basketball on Thursday and Saturday. If one team was home, the other team was on the road. It right. wasn't stacked up.
1: And they usually play, like in a regular year, they play, like they're, they're staggered. Yeah. So you, you
0: you get Saturdays sometimes where you're going to get that 3 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 7 o'clock triple header. Right. But th- those are rare. Yeah. And it was, it was rare for this winter season altogether because of the way they staggered things. Right, yeah. Um, then you started to get the fall sports leaking in and you you put a little volleyball in the mix. And then the winter sports ended, and it was normal for about another week. And then the spring sports started, and the fall sports dropped on top. And all of a sudden, you're going, wow, we have baseball, we have
1: soccer, we have tennis. Volleyball. And, oh, golf is playing on the road today, too. and Yeah. Well, I think at one point, last count, we had 11 teams playing at once. We've lost one because volleyball's done, so now we're down to 10. I think that's the that's the count. But uh, if you look at yeah, men's and women's everything, and then you throw in you know volleyball, we were up at 11, I it's, think eleven for a while. Yeah, it's it's a lot. Yeah, it, it's it's been a lot. It's been
0: taxing on the athletes. I think it's been it's hard to keep it all well, straight. And for them, that's, they have the you know, great unknown because they they could yeah. have a positive test and be out of things tomorrow. So it's a well, great unknown for them. It's been taxing on. Student workers it's been right. taxing on the athletic staff it's it's been taxing on on my field oh, in, yeah. in athletic communications I mean we have the uh, the various groups on Facebook where we just you know the one is called things about being an SID that are awesome there's another one about things that annoy SIDs and you you see some of this stuff and you understand we're not the only ones nope. That's, it's really been it's been a really unique year and it's been exhausting it's been
1: taxing even for me uh, just putting it together like even putting in other notes for the podcast this particular year has been it's been stressful mm-hmm. I mean I'm going through three and four pages of notes in about five minutes because there's just so much stuff going on right um, and then like you throw UMD into the mix for me anyway personally and you've got that as well so it's just like been for everyone working in the sports world Especially the D three level, D two D three level. If you work at it, either broadcasting or covering it, or as a member of the media, or involved in the programs, or especially in athletic communications, it's been rough. I yeah. mean, it's been tiring. You know, once the end of May comes, everybody's going to take a deep breath and say, "Thank you." You, you know, we. The big joke has always
0: been that the, when you host your final home event for the year, that's Emancipation Day. That's what athletic (laughs) communicators have called this for years. And you'd start to see it in early May. Somebody would post on on their Facebook page that it's Emancipation Day. And I think when all of this finally ends, you're going to have hundreds of athletic communicators around the country just turn the lights off for about three weeks. Yeah.
1: Just go home and and just, just, you know, don't email me, don't text me, don't call me, just just leave me alone. (laughs) Well, in my case, and this is kind of a culmination for me, John, this year, two years ago, or maybe it's three years ago now, I have to go back and look at the actual actual date, but uh, my college broadcast schedule ended with the NSIC Outdoor Track and Field Championships that were hosted by UMD. That was my last sports broadcast for the, um, not counting Duluth FC because they're independent of that, but uh, for the college season. And this year it's going to be my last broadcast again. And so, and it's going to be my biggest broadcast what of the year. That you know of. Well, yeah, I mean, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've, <laughs> who knows? You look
0: at our, uh, the way our spring schedule shakes out and you've got softball and baseball playoffs going into late May. Right. So I could, well, possible. We, we have no idea right. how well this is going to shake out. But us, there's
1: though. a good chance that that could be yeah. my last broadcast of the year. And it will be my biggest broadcast of the year. By far, you know, on that one we'll probably get. And I, I know I'm plugging UMD too much, but yeah, um, you are. <laughs> is this bulldog insider. <laughs> we will probably have between five and ten thousand people watch those two days, though. If That's you added up across the across right. the way, I mean, it makes sense because yeah, it is such a big event, yeah, and with so many participants. I'll be on the on the air for that for probably a total of about fourteen hours, thirteen to fourteen hours on the air for those two. I'll have an interview with the commissioner because the commissioner and the assistant commissioners will all be there. And it's a big deal. I mean, it's a huge event. It's the hardest broadcast I do whenever I do one. Um, Nothing's even close. Right. um, Because there's just so many moving parts. I mean, you have 600 athletes. Mm -hmm. But I will take a deep sigh of relief after that event is over is what I'm trying to say. because it's no doubt. It's kind of like it it all kind of culminates – when you get to that last part of May. And it, it's the same every year. I mean, in that regard, it hasn't changed much. Right. Because everybody takes a deep breath at the end of May. But this year, even more. It's so. going to be a deeper breath. That was my long way of getting <laughs> around to that. Yeah, it's going to be a very deep breath this year. And, it, you know, everybody's going to need to take a, a few, you know, two, three weeks of a mental vacation at the very least, and then uh, try to recharge and hopefully get some sense of normalcy in the scheduling for next year. Right. That's the goal. That's the goal. And yeah. at
0: some point here, I, uh, you know, like we, we do, I think we'll probably have Nick Bursick on one more time and just kind of get a feel for where all this is going right? for, for next fall, because I, I think from the conversations you hear, just about every everyone, yeah. every level is gearing toward, it, things are going to be more normal, classes are going to be on yeah. campus, and you're going to get back into a normal competitive schedule, which obviously would... Will lighten the load of what we're going through in the spring,
1: but is is what we all want. Well, and the the upshot and the positive part of all of this is the fact that the vaccination rollout has been pretty successful. Um, I know people wanted it a little bit faster than it was. I know Johnson Johnson now has been recalled because of blood clotting, mm-hmm. and we'll see you know where that leads to. Right. Um, but the rollout of Moderna and Pfizer domestically in the United States has been a big success. Yeah. If you really look at it, at the number of people who are getting vaccinated now on a regular basis sure. and getting. Not just their first, but their second shots. I've got my two shots in already. I know you got yours. I've got mine. I'm actually considered fully immune as of today. Okay. And I think Elliot even got his second. Was it your second? Oh, was you got it your first? first. Okay, yeah, because uh, he actually got his first on Wednesday when he was board hopping for me. And- Lovely. Was it okay? <laughs> were you Were you okay? Okay, yeah. He kept telling me during the broadcast that his arm was getting more and more sore as the game went along. But so I wanted to check and see if he's okay. But He's up and uh, giving me a thumbs up over there in the production room. So excellent. <laughs> but the point is, is that the vaccinations are rolling out. People are getting them now. Um, everybody in my family that needs them immediately has already gotten them. Um, you know, the only ones that haven't in my family are my two nephews and my brother-in-law who has gotten one shot already. So, um, yeah, I mean, the rollout has been good for me. I, I think. What about your family, John? Has everybody gotten it yet? Or? Yeah, my my mother got hers
0: um, before I got mine. Right, and yeah. uh, my wife had her second one here this week. My sister, my sister got the Johnson and Johnson. Oh, so she okay. got hers last Sunday. Okay, and then the next day, of course, everything they oh, pulled it. Yeah, you know, they put the brakes on it. Okay, but she's she's been fine. She hasn't had any side effects or anything. Okay. So yeah, on our, our our side of
1: things, we're we're set. My in laws got theirs. So okay. Yeah, That's what I mean, though. No, <laughs> it's been very successful and mm-hmm. pretty timely. I mean, everybody's gotten, I think, at le- just about everyone I know has gotten at least one dose. Everyone I work with at the WISE has already gotten both. Sure. So I mean, I think it's been a good thing um, across the board. And so hopefully, if that continues and we have no incidents during the summer, uh, we can get back we'll to get that get normal to schedule it. that we have in the fall. Yes. Let's have soccer and volleyball in the fall instead of the spring. But speaking of soccer, yes, let's, let's get talk into some it. soccer. Uh, the two soccer teams are really rolling right now, Whew. by the way. Yeah. Um, playing great soccer right now both teams and i love saying that because i think we've been waiting to be able to say that about both teams um but they're both playing really really well right now and we'll start with the women because i think that their jump from where they have been to where they are right now has been absolutely incredible in many ways and a lot of it has to do with this freshman class that's come in we'll talk more about them of course as we go on here but um women's soccer team still undefeated four and oh both overall and in the UMAC. They won two games last week. Uh, defeated Bethany Lutheran, one nothing on Saturday before shutting out Crown 4-0 on Wednesday. Both those games played at the Embassy Sports Complex. Against Bethany Lutheran, the Yellow Jackets held the Vikings to just one shot for the game. It was dominant. Yeah, and it was, what, 20 minutes in, I think? When was it? And It was like 30 yards out. Yeah. Yeah, about 20, 20, 20 to 30 Blake yards Perry's out. Perry's sister got it. Yeah. It was the one shot. Yeah, it was the one shot they had all day. Yep. Um, the Yellow Jackets outshot They him barely 18-1. even got... To cross midfield. Across midfield. Yeah. After that. Yeah. They pretty much were, were hemmed into their own end by yep. the Yellow Jackets. Uh, for the game, like I said, the Jackets outshot them 18 to 1. It felt like for a while the Yellow Jackets weren't gonna be able to get on the board because Bethany Lutheran really settled in defensively and tried to really keep everything to the outside. Yeah, they weren't giving anything in tight. But eventually the Jackets get the game winning goal at 7955. Olivia Harding credited with the goal on assist from Claire Smith and Anna Schussman. And the Jackets went at 1 0. Um, and that was I was very relieved when they scored that goal. Because everybody I, was yeah because I really felt like if they had gone that game scoreless through not only regulation but in the overtime, I would have felt like yo, know, Bethany Lutheran got away with one with the way the game was played right you know because yellow jackets really <laughs> dominated it I mean people well, didn't, who you, didn't see it don't know but right yeah you also got the feeling too they scored they, they scored that goal
0: yeah this is over yeah exactly there was no way Bethany was going to get any offense going no so as soon as they got the one it was it was the one goal is going to win this thing. Yep. So as soon as they got the one, it was like, okay. Right, Everybody take a deep, take breath. A deep breath,
1: and we're we're good. Yeah, we're good, and that's exactly what happened. Against Crown, the Jackets were actually scoreless at halftime with the Storm before they scored four times the second half. You were there to see it. I didn't see any of it. Um, Jackets, again, had a big edge in shots. Yeah, it was a another
0: dominant performance. Yeah. It was a little less dominant, but it was still uh, – I we had the ball the whole match, it seemed like. Yeah. And the, us up in the press box were just going, my goodness, this is – we always have the ball. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Against whoever we're playing right, right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so far, all season long, we've always had the ball. Yeah. And you're badly out-shooting teams. You're badly out-possessing teams. Out-chancing them by a yeah. lot. Yeah. So, you know, that, that was one of those where it's just a matter of time. Yeah. Before, once the dam breaks, And once really we gonna get make, yeah. one, we're going to get three. Yeah. And, and then I, they ended up getting four.
1: Yep. Exactly. Allison Alessi had two goals. Uh Nia Wilson and Caitlin Rache also scored for the Yellow Jackets, who had a 34 to three edge in shots in that game. And I bring that up because the Yellow Jackets now, after four games this year, and we haven't seen this on the women's team, they've outshot their opponents now 107 to 13 in four games, including 45 to seven in shots on goal. So the Jackets have scored almost and twice as many goals as they've given up shots on goal, and haven't given up a goal yet. No, it's 13 four and none against. Yeah, Morgan Philibert is pitching shutout after shutout right now. Mm-hmm. And it's because there's just, they're not getting chances. Right. Their team is not creating anything. Yeah. And it's,
0: it's easily the longest shutout streak in oh. program history. Yeah. Um, the 4-0 is the third time that the program's ever been 4-0 to start a season. So i got to imagine I mean,
1: this is the best 4-0 it's been, though. Yeah, I, I,
0: I, I, I think you're right. Because if you go yeah. back to the mid-2000s, they, they were 4-0, but uh, they, they weren't exactly playing the stiffest competition.
1: Right, yeah. And this is this has not just been winning. This has been dominating performances yep. by the El Jacket women. So. Yep. Uh, and they're real young. They've got exactly one senior on this roster, and it's in goal. So it's a young squad, and they're going to keep getting better. So I know we've been plugging them a lot, but they deserve it. They've been right. really good this year, if you haven't seen them. And we will have the chance to expand on all that in the round tables awesome. segment today. Fantastic. Men's soccer, who we had in the roundtable last week, 5-0 and overall on the campaign. Now 4-0 in the UMAC. Won two very different games this last week. <laughs> yeah that's one way to put it <laughs> <laughs> a lot of goals were scored in both but uh wow I that first game against Bethany that they won I was kind of I was perturbed by the way that game unfolded oh I know you me. absolutely were yeah and I think most of us were just because it kind of turned into a circus we'll talk a little bit hopefully less about the circus aspect of it but the jackets at the end of the day threw it all end up winning at six to five in overtime before shutting out Crown 9-0 on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, both games at the NBC Spartan Sports Complex against Matthew Luther and Blake Perry scored the game-winning goal. He had two goals and an assist in the game, by the way. Including the game-winner at 91-16 of overtime, Scott Wilson scored twice for the Jackets, while additional goals came from Protos, Bobbia uh, and Philip Erickson. And then against Crown, it was, it was over really quickly. Uh, yeah. yeah, <laughs> Seven goals in the first half for the Jackets, scored twice in the second half. Blake Perry again scored two goals for the Jackets, as did Phillip Erickson. Jackets also got goals for Mason Tinsky, Karsten Kledy, Sam Whaley Jr., Nikolai Stoker, and Adam Wilson. And he added all up, John, before we get into the particulars here, Jackets have now scored 34 goals in five games. That's an average of 6.8 goals per game. Wow. They're just not slowing down offensively. No. And uh, they're scoring tons of goals. They've got, I think, four guys that have got at least four goals right I, now yeah, on the team. Yeah, and it's <laughs> – Blake Perry's got eight himself. Yeah, yeah. and, <laughs> it, you know, I he – on on Wednesday, you
0: know, Coach Mooney pulled starters – 28 minutes in, okay, and they never saw the field again. So he scored two goals in 28 minutes. Yeah, yeah, he did. And you know the the fact that they pulled those guys out 28 minutes in, and there was zero drop off. Yeah, speaks to the depth that that yeah. roster has.
1: Yeah, the Bethany Lutheran game, on the other hand, got to be it was a game of attrition. Um, yeah, Jack, that was a that was a, knock that, was a, slog. It was a that was a slug. It was a slug. That was a slug. Um, we had eight or nine stoppages in the first half for injuries. Um, every time the Jackets scored, Bethany Lutheran would come right back. At one point, Bethany Lutheran took the lead in the second half. Mm-hmm. Jackets came right back and scored the next two. I mean, it was very back and forth. Um, Perry's goal in overtime was a strike. I mean, he hit that ball flush. Well, and he hit it from so far out. Yeah. Like, you know, and
0: talking with Coach Mooney after the, the match, he's on his side of the field going, what in the world is he doing? And we're on our side of the field because yeah. the bench is on the opposite side. So we're in the press box on the opposite side of the field going, Oh,
1: look at this. Goalie's off his line. Yeah. He's going to bury this. And sure enough, yeah, the uh, the the Bethany Lutheran keeper took a very odd route to the ball in that case. <laughs> um, he came out. It way... wasn't quite like the the one against Saint Scholastica last year, right? Where he chipped him. Where he yeah. chipped him, but yeah. it was it was
0: it was very similar.
1: It was very similar. He came tearing off of his line, and I thought, why is he coming so far out? Because yep. he had two defenders right there. If he just plays normal, we're probably still playing that match. Yeah, we could be still playing right now. But and it looked innocent enough. I mean, it was a passive and Perry took about half, you know, midfield. Mm-hmm turned around and just kept running up the sideline. Two Bethany Lutheran defenders came to him, and then the goalie came tearing off of his line, ran the edge of the 18, and all Blake had to do, really, is just shoot it over the top of him, and yep. that's what he did. Yep. It, was a good, it was a good strike, Yeah, but it, it just looked very odd. Like The whole play was a very odd-looking... <laughs> it looked like it was going to be nothing, and then all of a sudden it was in the back of the net. Yep. That's the way that that one went down, but right. the Jackets now 5-0 and uh, thanks to that win, and uh, or thanks to the win against Crown. They were 4-0 and after they beat uh, Bethany Lutheran, but both teams undefeated, so not a lot of complaints on the soccer th- things side. Are things are good on the pitch right now. Yeah, good th- things are good on the pitch. Softball, by the way, ten and six overall, three and one in the UMAC. They won three out of four games last week, splitting with Northwestern a week ago Wednesday. So they played on two consecutive Wednesdays. This is why this is getting a little bit conf- confusing as to when these games were played. But we'll go through it. Um, they lost the first game against Northwestern eight to three before getting a walk off win in game two, five to four. Those games I had on ninety one point three. Weren- weren't those on Friday? Well, that was Friday. Friday was that Friday that was Friday was it Wednesday God. was north Central was that North Central? oh yeah yeah see now i Northwest was last Friday okay because we oh, that's right. we had to run we, we right recorded here. and then we went to yeah, that yeah, so yeah, yeah that, that was had, Friday yeah okay so mm-hmm. Friday sorry sorry folks get it together Let's, Matt yeah I know jeez eight and three eight to three the loss in game one five four the the uh, winning game two and then the jackets uh, swept Martin Luther in a doubleheader this past Wednesday in New Elm taking game one four to two before winning game two 16 to seven. Uh, against Northwestern, Taylor Kramer picked up decisions in both games, starting Game 1 while coming in relief in Game 2. In Game 1, the Jackets were held, or were led offensively, I should say, by Taylor Kramer and Kylie Miller, who each had two hits in the game. In Game 2, Haley Mill George was the hero. She singled home Brighton Kukowski, who had a big game. with the game-winning run on the bottom of the 7th. Kukowski went 3-for-4 with a double and three-run score. Tiffany Kirk and Mel George each had two hits in that game. Against Martin Luther, Taylor Kramer started in the circle and at the plate for the UWS Yellow Jackets, going 2-for-4, also pitching a complete game, allowing just two unearned runs on eight hits while striking out four without walking a batter in game two. The Jackets scored in every inning but the first to pick up the run rule of victory. Haley Mel George and Maddie Bavroski each had four hits while Kayla Kramer finished with three hits and Tiffany Kirk and Brighton Kukowski each had two. Jackets finished with 17 hits in game two, so there was a lot of hits and a lot of runs a lot scored. Lot of hits in that game. Melania <laughs> Madill pitched a complete game to pick up the win on the circle. The Jackets also had a pair of double headers that were postponed for different reasons. The uh, doubleheader against Bethany Lutheran that was to be scheduled the day after the Northwestern doubleheader, so last Friday, was supposed to be played on Saturday down in Mankato. That was postponed due to COVID-19 protocols. And then we had the dreaded... <laughs> we had the dreaded... <laughs> the inclement out, weather yeah, announcement. Against uh, Northland College. Those were games I were also I was also supposed to have on 91.3 FM. Those games were postponed due to inclement weather. You so mean, You always games. want
0: the athletes to have the chance to play, but I was grateful that we got the rain out that day because yeah. that would have been
1: miserable. Oh, it would have been horrible. It, it
0: would, would have, have been horrible. miserable.
1: Well, it allowed me to also go up north and spend some time with the folks, so right. that's good because my whole family was up on the North Shore. That's another story, but uh, for reschedules or... Pu- Potential reschedules on those uh, two doubleheaders. Check UWSYellowjackets.com to find out where and when those games will be made up. And congratulations, by the way, to Tiffany Kirk, who was named UMAC softball player of the week for the first time in her career for her performances that previous week against both North Central and Northwestern. So that was the week that was for softball, baseball nine and eleven overall, two and two in the UMAC. They split four games last week, sweeping North Central ten to one and eleven to ten on Saturday at the NBC Spartan Sports Complex before getting swept by Northwestern five nothing and six one. Those two games against Northwestern, I had a 91.3, and there weren't a lot of highlights, folks. That was a tough doubleheader. Yeah, really tough. Against North Central, there were some highlights, though. Ryan Rodriguez pitched a complete Game 5 hitter in Game 1, while walking one and striking out 13 to be named UMAC pitcher of the week for the first time in his career. So congratulations to him. Yellow Jackets racked up 14 hits. Bryce Flanagan led the way, he went 2-4 for four with a home run and two runs scored. Brandon Rolfe, Christian Garcia, Sam McNosky all had two hits in Game 1 as well in Game 2. The Jackets held off a late rally to gain the sweep. Matt Tappy picked up the win. He came on in relief and pitched the final three and two-thirds while allowing three earned runs on two hits with four walks and three strikeouts. Alex Aguilar led UWS offensively three for five with a pair of doubles and three runs scored. Mike Rodriguez three for four with a triple, four RBIs and three runs scored. Brandon Rolfe, Isaac Fougere each had two hits as well. Ryan Castaneda, one of our sports uh, communications workers, also homer for UWS in that game and i'm told it was a really long home run. Really? Yeah. I did not have the chance to ask him about it, but i was yeah, i was told it was a very it was, it was a long shot. It was a it was a no-doubter.
0: Yeah. Okay. It, it it traveled a, a great distance in air and also once it reached ground yeah. and uh made its way from what i'm told almost making contact with the concession stand at the football field.
1: That's a long poke. Yeah. That's a long poke. So well done, Trinidad. Well eight. done. <laughs> there you go. Against Northwestern, the Jackets only managed a total of eight hits for the two games. So that's eight hits and 18 innings of baseball. Tough day. A uh, pair of complete games were pitched by the Eagles, Owen Barima and Bryce Crabb. That was the biggest reason the Jackets couldn't get anything going. Brandon Rolfe provided the only offense on the day for the Yellow Jackets with a solo home run in the bottom of the third inning game two. On the mound, Joey Barker took the loss in game one. He pitched the first five innings. For the Yellow Jackets, while allowing four earned runs on six hits with four walks and three strikeouts, Bryce Flanagan took the loss in Game Two. He allowed four runs on four hits while walking four and striking out six in five and two thirds. So, yeah, that series though with Northwestern was tough. Tough one. Yeah, we just couldn't get anything going. And to be perfectly honest, those two pitchers from Northwestern really had it going. Yeah, both. Well, games.
0: they threw their one and their two at them. Yep. You know, so. Yep. You're going to see good pitching when you're getting somebody's one yeah. and two,
1: and yeah, and exactly. they definitely saw that. So. Uh, men's and women's tennis, men now are four and three, women are still two and five. The men dropped a six to three decision to Saints Scholastica on Wednesday at the Yellow Jacket Outdoor Tennis Complex. UWS got singles wins from Gergo Potznagy and Jacob Zacharias, and a doubles win from the duo of Michael James and Gus Rasmussen at number two doubles. The Yellow Jackets also had matches against Martin Luther and Minnesota Morris postponed. For more information on when those will mo- may be made up, go to uwsyellowjackets.com. We haven't had three matches postponed last week against Martin Luther, Morris, and St. Klaska. St. excuse me. For more information on when those may, may be made up, go to UWS. Like you just need to com. say that once. You don't have yeah, to say I've, it after every
0: single one. Yeah,
1: that's true. But <laughs> you know where to go. Go there and find out when those games might be made up. But uh, yeah, that's a lot of postponements. Yeah. Five in the week for the two teams. That's, you're having a lot of you postponements. you got some, some rain and some COVID protocols, man. And, yeah. And and rain is not conducive to good outdoor tennis. No, not at all. Men's and women's golf, the men took first at the Turtleback invite hosted by Saints Glasgow on Sunday at the Turtleback Golf Course in Rice Lake. I happen to know that's one of your favorite courses. I love to play. that course. <laughs> I love that course. Yeah, I, <laughs> I wish I was closer. Apparently the Jackets like it too. Because yeah, if, if we
0: were closer, I'd play it more.
1: There you go. I love it. Like I said, apparently the Jackets like it too because mm-hmm. they finished really strongly in that particular um, invite. UWS finished with a team score of 303 and were led by Joey Cummings, who took home medalist honors with a score of 72. While teammate Ryan Peterson finished second, Sam Albrecht finished third, and John Harstad finished in a tie for fifth. So the Jackets had four of the top five. Yeah, and I think um, Harstad would have broke eighty too. He had, I think, the
0: fifteenth hole. He he had a quadruple bogey. Oh, and if it wasn't for that one hole, he would have he would have broke eighty. Okay, so he would have had four players under eighty.
1: Right, which is pretty darn good. Darn good on that track. Yeah, Coach Paul Mm -hmm. Eberhardt would have been very happy with that one. Yep. Also had the UMAC preview that was scheduled to be played on Tuesday at the Pebble Creek Golf Club, in Becker postponed at the L-Jacket men, as did the women, by the way, for that matter. Yep. Speaking of the women, they opened up the season with a fourth-place fourth place finish at the UW-Eau Claire Invitational, hosted by UW-Eau Claire at the Wild Ridge Golf Club in Eau Claire on Saturday and Sunday. The L-Jackets finished with a team score. The for... first day was at Turtleback. Was it at Turtleback? They played for day one at Turtleback. Day two was at Wild Ridge. The L-Jackets finished with a team score of 864 because it's listed as the same. On the website is the same meet. but so day it is the one same, same meet played at two different courses. Oh, okay, interesting.
0: It's just like the the Twin Ports invite that we co-host with Saints Glass. Oh, where you play like it's, half it's at, at Northland on and...
1: Friday and it's at Namagi on okay. Saturday. Same yeah. thing. Got it. Okay. Atlanta Tulip uh, shot a one eighty three over the two day event for the L to lead the way. And like I said, they also had the UMAC uh, preview scheduled for Tuesday postponed. Joey Cummings was named UMAC Player of the Week for the second straight week and the fourth time in his career. Congratulations to Joey. His first two honors came on September 9th and September 16th of 2019. So Joey Cummings continuing to shine for the Yellow Jacket golf team. Um he's had a heck of a career. He really has. Yeah, he's done well. Really he really
0: well. has. He's he, he came a long way from the where he was as a freshman into into this year. So
1: yeah, we've had him on the podcast and yep. he's a I know he's an avid he's listener. He's an avid listener, yeah. Yeah. So long time listener. Congratulations, Joey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Men's and women's track and field. Both teams competed at the Falcon Invitational at Raymer Field in River Falls on Saturday. No team scores down there. It was all individual events. But Travis G. won the 3,000-meter steeplechase for UWS, posting a time of 10 minutes, 32.81 seconds, while teammate Mitchell Hammer placed second with a time of 10 minutes, 52.48 seconds. That's an
0: an event I've never understood. It's a crazy event. It's an event I've never understood. Why you (laughs) willingly want to jump into a puddle of cold water on these laps and just soak your
1: shoes. and, I, Well, I feel like it's something that we talked about with Glenn Drexler last time he was here. Right, but, I, but that doesn't change that. I still don't understand. Tyler Finger it. also I, kind of weighed in on it a little bit. Yeah. I, it's I, just...
0: Travis is one of my workers. And <laughs> I know, so yeah. I, and, you And know, so I, I look at him and go, squeegee, what? Come
1: on. <laughs> uh, why? And he just goes, I don't know. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I just like doing it. It is a very... It's weird because it is a distance race. It's 3,000 mm-hmm. meters, so they are pacing themselves. And But there's this random water hazard yep. right in the middle of it. I mean, there are hurdles and, and things like that. And the the crazy thing about the chase for those who don't know, is the water hazard comes right after a hurdle. Yeah. So it's like sometimes you'll see them hurdle right into the water hazard. Sometimes they'll climb on the hurdle and spring off. And- yep, exactly. So it's a very strange event to cover. It's a very strange event to watch because eventually as the labs build up, they become more and more soaking wet as they're running yes. around. And it it just, it's just very strange. Yeah, to me. it is. So, congratulations well, on the win, Squeegee. Yeah, exactly. And in an, an event we don't get, but that's okay. Great. Uh, on the women's side, Leanne Torgerson led the way for the Yellow Jackets, placing second in the 400 meters with a time of 59.59 seconds. Also, by the way, I should mention the men's 4x100 relay had a nice showing as well. Mitchell Peer- Peterson, Evan Pearson, Ethan Westenmayer, and Andrew Gabarkowitz finished second in that event with a time of 44.85 seconds. So, Al, and uh, one more note before we close up this first segment here. Women's volleyball, the all-conference teams were mentioned by the UMAC. Megan Holes and Alexi Preed were each named second team all UMAC. Haley Atwood named honorable mention all UMAC, while Elise Erdl was UWS's representative on the UMAC sportsmanship team. So congratulations to them. Well done. That's a lot of information. That is a lot of information, but that's what happens when you have... 56 events
0: in 75 days. Yes, <laughs> it does.
1: And you also lose track of what days some of these events yes, are Yes, you
0: do. You lose track of those days. Good thing your feet are dry. Yeah. Mine, too. I got new shoes. <laughs> We're going to take a timeout. We'll come back with our roundtable segment of this week's episode of Eye of the Swarm. We'll be joined by Allison DeGroat, the head women's soccer coach, as well as Emma Street from the Yellow Jacket women's soccer team. That coming up right after this, you're listening to Eye of the Swarm.
1: Can I borrow the sports page? Are we sure we're ready for this expansion?
0: Of course we're ready for it.
1: It's a great idea.
0: Let's celebrate with a vacation. I'm
1: thinking (laughs)
0: Hawaii. We're ready for you.
2: Is it okay if my friend comes
0: with? Of course. Imagination's always welcome here. Bring us your best ideas. Let's see how we can help. National Bank of Commerce, Imagination's Welcome. We're back for this week's roundtable segment of I of the Swarm, and we are joined by Allison DeGroat, the head women's soccer coach here at EWS, along with Emma Street, who's been on this team, what, four years now? Five years? Six yeah, years?
2: Yeah. The fall will be you, about five. Yeah,
0: you've been here a while. Yeah. You've been here a while. <laughs> you got some miles on. That's, that's okay. She's the grizzled veteran. Yeah, there's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. You know, I, I've been here like almost 25 years, I think. So, right. You know? It's really similar. Very, yeah. very much so. But uh, we, we had a rather lengthy conversation, uh, again, about shoes and and bags and, and all of that fun stuff going into this. But uh, we're going to step away from that now. And let's talk a little bit of soccer, because you've got something special happening here, Coach. Uh, yeah. 4-0 start to your season. We talked about it in the opening segment. Only the third time in program history that we've, we've been at this point. And uh, it's been a special year, hasn't it?
3: Yeah, it absolutely has. I think we have a great group of committed returners. And on top of that, we added some stellar first years. Uh, so there is something special for sure. We're lean as far as roster numbers go, but I think that's also made us very close knit and tight group. Um, I feel like the team's on the same page and, and we're ready for the challenges that are going to come in the, the rest of the season.
0: You talk about being lean and I, it's that's nothing that's exclusive to you. I mean, no. you're seeing it in multiple programs here, you're seeing it around the conference, you're seeing it around the country, that it's just this strange year where numbers aren't where you expect them to be for one reason or another.
3: Yeah, absolutely. There's so many situations and and things that have happened with COVID. I have play, players that were supposed to be on our roster and now are living with grandparents, and you know that's a, a risk that a family can't can't live with. I have other players that are back at home helping their parents because their younger siblings are, um, we're doing um, online schooling. So it's just been a crazy year that has demanded more of everyone else. And then I think on top of that, there's the mental health piece of all the uncertainty that comes with COVID. Um, and every student athlete, every person has to in, in the world right now is dealing with the uncertainty of what COVID means. And so it just weighs a heavier toll. And it's, it's, a, it's a sacrifice to play sports more than it ever has been. And I think for the people we have. They know that that sacrifice is worth it, that being a part of this program to them is worth it. Um, So I think it's definitely fed our fire and made us more motivated and hungry to be successful.
0: Expand on the mental health piece a little bit, if you would, because that's, it's something that I don't think gets enough attention or hasn't gotten enough attention, I guess, during during COVID because... uh, it's been a, a strain on it, not just on student athletes. I mean, they have an incredible amount of pressure on them from the academic side, from the family side, if they're taking care of siblings or grandparents, um, even us in our positions in taking time to, to make sure that we, we are okay mentally. Cause I'll be honest, there's been stretches where I've just closed the office door and went, Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing?
3: Absolutely. This
0: is, uh, why are we doing this? Yep. And, you know, we have seem to have come out okay on the other side from all of this, but there's been times where it's been too much. Yeah. How, how, how are you navigating that with, with yourself, with your student athletes, to make sure that everybody is okay, Yeah. number one, and having them know it's okay not to be okay, yeah. number two.
3: That's a great question. I think a couple of things. First of all, you alluded to just everything takes more effort because nothing is what it's been in the past. So everything we've done is just completely different than we've ever done it before. It takes more time and consideration to figure out what does this mean? What does this mean? What does that mean? So there's so many changes. And so our jobs, and it's absolutely true for our student athletes, their schooling is so different. Their their jobs most of my team has another job most of my team has two jobs um so their jobs are completely different and so everything just takes more time and more energy and it is wearing it is tiring Um, i've heard more and more the words depression the words anxiety come up Um, and so much uncertainty in their season you look at some of our teams losing out on games volleyball having to, to shut down for playoffs men's basketball when they were supposed to be 10 games in they were only at three games like just never knowing every time you go into test which is twice a week for us every time we go into test holding our breath and seeing if we get a, a pop a positive and if we're going to get shut down um so what we do is as we talk about it we create the space and say what are you players what are you scared about anxious about what anxieties do you have um they've talked about the things that have come up is you know what if someone tests positive the other thing that's come up is are we going to be able to be as successful as we want to be and and have the season we want to with such a small number especially with covid when people could go into quarantine because of exposures so we've just created the space for them to talk about it and say what's so i don't i can't fix it i can't make it okay or make there be more players or tell them what the future is going to be. But I think creating the space where they can say what's so, and we can just say, yeah, yeah, that could happen. Yeah. This might be that way, but at the end of the day, it's going to be okay and we're going to be together and we're going to get through this together and you have us and we have your back. So I think that's, that's how we've tried to go forward with it.
0: From a player standpoint, Emma coach isn't in the room. How have you, how has your team as a collective embraced that? Because there's times where a coach can't be there, you know, or a different situation rises up. How has the team handled that as a team without the coach being in the picture? I
2: think we've handled it really well. I think we've just came together. We're all in the same position. There's no one that's on a higher end than us. It's just, we're all in the same, like it's a crappy situation. COVID's taken a lot from people and I think we're all just taking it and running with it and, whatever happens, happens. I know we're all having a good time. Like we just, it's just a good environment. And I think soccer is an outlet for a lot of people. So being able to have a somewhat normal season and being able to go to practices, play games and everything like that, like I think it's a sense of normalcy that we like didn't know if we were gonna have like coming into the season. So I think we're just trying to embrace every practice, every training, every team meeting. And we're just, I think we're handling it very well compared to some other people, I guess. Like, we're just having a good time because we don't know if it's going to end anytime soon or anything.
0: Right. So, And that's really been the common thread, Matt. Yeah. They're basically, yeah. everybody we've talked to through the the podcast this year, it's
1: been that it's the outlet. Yeah. I, I, and that's not surprising. No, Um, I don't think that, you know, me and John also come from experiences where we were, you know, quote unquote, high level athletes, or we played, you know, very competitive levels of of sports. Um, And for me, I I keep putting myself into a position mentally where you have to say yourself, you know, how would you handle what's in front of you and all that kind of stuff uh, in a situation like this, that is completely out of everyone's control. And to be honest with you, it's almost, there's a certain comfort for me, There would have been a certain comfort for me, not just in playing with my teammates and being around them, but also being able to, And Allison, this goes back to something that you brought up is the fact that, yeah, it's out of our control and there's nothing we can do about it. But the fact that we're all together and the fact that we, none of us have any control brings us tighter together because we're leaning on each other Mm -hmm. in a situation that we have no control over. Mm -hmm. And so that to me kind of creates that bond a little bit. And um, that has been kind of the common thread. Um, because all of the coaches and athletes just about that we've brought in have said the same thing. It's just like we've got so much that's out of our control, we can only you know make sure we're there for each other as much as possible because you're really getting down to the bare bones of what makes a team forgetting about you know how the team does on the field or anything like that. This is bare bones. Let's just get together, play, and we'll see where we go and just gain strength from each other. And that's more or less a common theme. And I think that you know, as John, you said, that's been kind of the, the underlying message that everybody that we brought in here has kind of said, mm-hmm. you
0: yeah. so know, let, let, let's talk about that. Okay. The outlet playing you've been here, as we mentioned for the, her entire tenure as head coach. Yep. Mm-hmm. So how fun has this been?
2: Oh, it's so fun. I, <laughs> I don't really ever want it to end. Right. And maybe that's why I'm, I've been here for so long. I just don't <laughs> want it to end. <laughs> um, I don't know. I've just always had, like, coming into college, I didn't want to play college sports. I was going to come here for track, but I thought I was done with soccer. And then Allison reached out to me, and she was like, hey, do you want to play? I was like, sure, we'll give it a go. And I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the sport again. (laughs) And I don't think I've stopped loving it, and it's just a great time here. And she's made it the best five years, I guess, (laughs) now it's going to be. So it's just... It's a great time and it's an outlet and I can, when I step onto the training field, I can just forget about the stressful day for classes. I can just forget about if something came up in, that's not sports related. Like I can just forget about it for that hour and a half, two hours. And then I'm happy, I guess. I don't know.
3: What I love about Emma, sorry, I don't want to interrupt you. Nope, go right ahead. What i love about emma is it hasn't always been easy at times like at one point she came into my office and she's like it just feels like my body's not doing what i want it to do and so she's had injuries and and all that but she just even when she can't play she is an energy on the, the bench during this winter when things got long and hard and we were like cooling down she'd be dancing and like, she just, she lifts the spirit of the team. So even when she can't be on the pitch, um, and I know it's been a tough go for her this season with some some real shin splints and, and some really tough pain that could be leading to stress fracturing, she's just showing up and giving everything she has because I think it's different when you know your time's coming to a close. Like, you just, you have that gratitude and that gratefulness.
0: If this were a, a visual podcast, we'd be asking you to, Let's see the moves.
2: <laughs>
3: no. So
0: thankfully it's no. not for you because, uh, you know, it's yeah. funny though, John, I mean, we, we could and just, yeah. and, and do the play by play of no. that, but what's, what's the song? Oh, God. I mean, you've got one. What is it?
2: I don't know. Or do
0: we ask coach? What's the song?
2: I'm kind of curious <laughs> on what you would say. If you even, I have no idea.
3: <laughs> I don't know half the music they play. They like play stuff. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know this. See, I'm like really big into show tunes. I so like to give me a really hard time for that. Really? Yeah. Yep. yep. You're, you're a show tune person. <laughs> yes. At one point, I was listening to Barbara Streisand, and Nick wa- Nick Bursick walked into my office and goes, "Are you listening to Christmas music?" And I was like, "I am so offended. This is Barbara. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not Christmas music.
1: Yeah. The Jewish lady. Okay, uh, so he doesn't know. Uh, uh, okay.
3: <laughs> yeah. So.
1: <laughs> well, and, and that you know, going back to what you were talking about with Emma dancing and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. One of the things I noticed about your team, and it really does have that sense of family about it, if you watch your team during warm-ups, even for a game, half of them are out there dancing. <laughs> I mean, if you look out there, I caught, <laughs> I was looking down there and I saw Caitlin Raish and I saw Olivia Harding busting a move down there before the it's game against the Bethany It's probably the worst
2: Lutheran. moves you've ever seen, but it's That's something. That's the
0: beauty of it, yeah, though. It's yeah, it's something. But like, the, you don't do that It totally unless,
1: falls into the dance like nobody's looking for yeah. yep. <laughs> But the fact that they're that comfortable... During a situation where they're getting ready for a serious competition game against Bethany Lutheran, that your players feel comfortable enough with themselves to be out there in warmups, and they take a break in between warmups to just start dancing, you know? Well, like I was, it just made me say, "It's like yeah. this is Allison's program, though. This is she encourages this kind of joy." Well, I was talking to fun. Allison at practice, yeah.
2: and I, she, I don't know what you had mentioned, but you're like, "Oh, did my jokes? Do you think they like?" get in people's head and I'm like I think it's a good thing that you joke because it gets people out of their heads oh we were warming up for crown yeah but I was trying to make people yeah she was like joking around and everything and she's like do you think they even like that I was like it gets them out of their head sometimes it could get too serious and stuff like that but like the dance breaks in the middle of warm ups I think it just gives a light energy to it in like a very serious warm up type of time so it just kind of brings a light to it
1: well and they seem like That's what's interesting to me is that in watching this program kind of grow is that this group is so comfortable in their own skin that it kind of frees them up to be able to go all into a competition and just play the game and not overthink anything, really. That's one of the things I've been most impressed in watching your team play so far this year is just the fact that everybody's on the same page. There really isn't a piece of the puzzle that doesn't understand what the role is, what they're trying to accomplish what the goal is, where they're trying to go, what the strategy is going to be offensively or defensively. It's just a very, you know, to to put it on a bigger, kind of a bigger conversation, you and I have talked, 16 players on this roster, which is thin, but it's a really strong 16. Like this is a good group of 16 players. And they all 16 of them just seem all in, you know, and that is so hard to achieve. You almost never, especially in college, get everybody kind of, going the same direction but it seems like this group is really everybody's just going the same direction and it's made for some really entertaining soccer for both me and john to watch when I mean, we've talked about in the press box during these games like this seems fun to watch because they pass the ball around they know what they're trying to do they possess the ball they create chances and i don't think that that necessarily comes through i mean obviously there's a lot of talent there too but i think a lot of it also has to do with the personality in the culture within the program that they're free they feel free to be able to kind of express themselves when they're playing not just in warmest but when they're playing the game too and it just kind of frees everyone up to feel comfortable because no one ever seems like they're uncomfortable on your team right now when they're out there, John. And that's, I think, something that, you know, we haven't always had in the women's soccer program here, but it really has come to the forefront this year. And I think you and I, we've talked about it in the press mm-hmm. books. You know, no, I agree with that 100%. Yeah. I mean, everybody's very comfortable in their own skin and they all know exactly what they're trying to do.
2: We embrace the weird. <laughs> That is the common is phrase. that the mantra? It basically is that we embrace the weird <laughs> that's the a good
0: idea. one. Not My either. office a month ago was embrace the chaos because <laughs> we knew it was coming. so you're embrace the weird
2: mm-hmm. yeah that's kind of what we tell like every recruit that comes it just you
3: into
1: it you're
0: gonna bring it's your own there. special brand of weirdness to this team so <laughs> love it. Well, I
1: love that idea though of like everyone being a unique individual though it's not so much like we're all from a cookie cutter here. Like we've got a very wide range of personalities and in getting to know your players, there is a very wide range of personalities on this team. They all get along, but their approaches are totally different. You know, Morgan Filiber is one of the most outgoing people I've ever met. I mean, she will talk to anybody. And then you've got Aaron Schoberg and sometimes I can't tell if she's talking to me or not, even if she is, because she talks so quietly though. You know what I mean? Like she's a very soft, she's very soft-spoken when she's not playing soccer. Which makes her, when she goes out and crunches somebody on a tackle, makes me kind of smile during a game. Yeah. But it's this wide range of personalities, though, and approaches to life.
3: The Joker freshman year was Aaron, stop yelling. Yeah. (laughs) Stop yelling, Aaron. It's too loud. But that that kind of shows. I I think it was Claire. Yeah, it was both of them.
1: Claire's real quiet, too. I mean, they're both, and and they're like very close friends, I know. But at the same time, it shows the wide range of personalities especially as morgan and aaron are working together all the, time, all the time just by their positions i mean she's a central defender and morgan is a, is a keeper yeah so they're constantly communicating back and forth but the personalities are just and their approaches to the world are completely different and it's funny to see these different personalities come together and put together what has been a really really successful year i mean the numbers are staggering we went through the numbers before you guys got here as to what you guys have put up as far as statistically this year, and I've never seen a women's team put together numbers like this before—not since I've been here. Mm-mm. You know, you're putting up numbers that the men's team puts up, right? And that's a great compliment to what your team has done so far this year. Thanks. Talk about that evolution, Emma,
0: from like when you first got here to where it is today.
2: It's night and day, honestly. I, I mean, my freshman year—well, the year before—I think what was sixteen and one and 16. 1 and sixteen. So, and then second year, or the first year I came in. they're um, four and 13, I think. Yeah, and that's tremendously better than the year before that. And then it just kept getting better and better and better. And it was, and now we're fighting for the top spot in our conference now. And that was under four years. And the fact that you've turned a program literally from the absolute rock bottom to a top contending team is Wow. <laughs> like, I don't think I've ever even heard of that. And the fact that that has happened and I'm actually a part of it, it's crazy. So, I don't know.
1: I thought the game against yeah. Martin Luther, John and I turned to each other and we said, this team can play. Mm-hmm. And that that's that was something that, I'll be honest, I haven't said a lot over the years. But just the way that you guys, and I'm going to use a soccer term here, bossed the game against them. <laughs> because I've seen you guys now, you played five I mean, five games, including the exhibition with Northland. And in all the games that I've watched, including that one, you guys have bossed the opponent big time. Because Bethany Lutheran, you give up just one shot. And it comes from 20, 25 yards out, 20, 25 minutes into the match. You don't give up a shot against them in the second half at all. And that's a playoff team from a year ago. Same thing with Martin Luther. I mean, the shots were, I think, 19 to 6, something like that. But you never got the sense that they were really threatening. All those shots are from the outside. And the numbers are just uh, like we were going through them, and it's 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 really unbelievable in a certain level. The way that you guys not only are winning games, but the not just the fact that you're winning games, I should say, but the way you're winning them is is really impressive. Is this the?
0: It's a, it's a difficult question, but is this the vision that you had four years ago when you when you came in? You you, you knew what you were stepping into, and you knew it was going to take a while. It never goes the path that you expect it to go for one reason or another. I mean, COVID, for example. Mm-hmm. But is this is this ultimately how you saw all of this maturing?
3: The vision at the end of the day is a UMAC championship. Uh, the goal, the goal this year is to meet our potential. And that's that's all. Like. At the end of the day, do I hope we win a UMAC championship? Yes. Do I think that we have it in us to potentially pull one over on a couple teams and win a UMAC championship? Yes. Will we do it? I don't know. COVID is a difficult, uh, you got to get luck on your side as well as a couple other things um, with COVID. So yes, we're on our path. We're absolutely on our path. Um, I think also the the vision of where we need to be. Like we need to have a we need to have a stronger, deeper roster in order to to continue the success and not just have it be one year. Um, but the style of play we've never played. We could we didn't have the ability to play this style three years ago, even two years ago. Um, in two thousand nineteen, I kept saying over and over again, this is the most talented. UWS team that we've had since I've been here. Um, And I coached against UW-Superior a number of times prior to me coming, so I'd I'd seen them over the last um, four years now here coaching, four seasons now here coaching, and then four seasons probably before that. So over the last eight years, it's definitely been the best UWS team that I've seen. Uh, But I I looked at this team when we stepped onto the field, and I was like, this is – way better than 2019 like I would even with us being leaner than we were in 2019 I take this roster um so and and just the way they're putting it putting everything together I'm so excited to I know there's even more in there you know like I look at our game against crown and we did a couple of good things and there's things we can clean up like there's just more in there and I can't wait to see what we're actually like Capable of what our true potential is, how we can be playing by the end of the, the next two weeks. We have two weeks left. Let's let's meet our potential.
1: Yeah, that's what's crazy about it. It says, you know, I mean, there's two weeks left, undefeated, and there's four crazy. You know, <laughs> through four games, and you've got two weeks left. Um, and and you know, you've got a couple of road tests coming up here now, yeah. which is going to make things a little bit more interesting. Um, but I want to kind of as kind of the soccer guy of between me and John. I want to talk about this freshman class a little bit. Yeah, let's do it. Because this class, you had told me last year this class was was a difference-making class.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That this group was really going to come in and make a statement when mm-hmm. they got here. Um, and to be honest with you, I mean, you've got five, maybe six of them that are contributing big time right now. Every single one of them, I feel like, has help, helped upgrade the team in many, many ways. And I just want to get you guys, both Emma and you, Coach, what your thoughts are on them coming in because a lot of times when the freshman classes come in, you're not necessarily convinced that they're going to be ready for the college level right away. But this freshman group has stepped in and they've become standouts, a lot of them immediately. So um, I just want to like get your thoughts on their progression and what they overall, not just on the field, but what they brought to the, to the program as a group. I just want to get your thoughts on it.
3: <laughs> we were trying to figure out who should go. You go. First. You go first. Yeah, I was going to say this first. It's funny because with my assistant coach, she often is like, "Well, you just said everything that I was going to say, so I'm not going to say anything." So that's why I was double checking with him. Anyway, okay. At Marissa. That's the easy way out. At Marissa. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. This. Gosh, this fresh freshman class has been tenacious. They've been gritty. I can tell you when they came in and. When they came in their first year experience, I remember them coming into my office and just being like, I did not think that my first year collegiate experience was going to be like this with COVID. Um, Just not being able to have really much of any social life, not being able to have people come visit them in the dorms. Like it was hard, hard for six months for them for sure. And they just showed so much tenacity and so much grit as people. Um, you know, I, I don't know that everyone gets to return and even add people back to their first year class, uh, in a year like COVID. So I, I'm so proud of who they are as people first. Um, the other thing I love about this class is some of them are, some of them are, most of them are pretty outgoing. Some of them are more introverted, but most of them are pretty outgoing. And I remember after our, like, second team meeting, three of them just, like, walked up to me and just started talking to me. And, like, of course, why shouldn't they do that? But it is so rare. Like, usually the first years are just so reserved. Uh, But we have just this spark and this character and this joy and playfulness and and connection and spirit that the first-year class has. Again, just who they are as people that ha- has made us better. And then how they show up on the field. I mean, gosh, if I if I start naming people, I will leave. I'll forget someone. But <laughs> um, just the, the talent and skill, the vision, the, you know, Tori and Alyssa in the back line, we're playing a three-back. That's a tough, tough system to play right now. We've been playing a three-back. We'll throw in a four-back here and there, but generally we're playing a three-back, and Tori and Alyssa have just been – phenomenal back there phenomenal athletes um that are just really tough to break down and then you know you got Caitlin and Lindry playing defensive center mid Caitlin was an outside player for most of her career so she did not play center mid I identified her I saw her one time when she was playing center mid and she's like that's the only time I've ever played I've ever played center mid and she is crushing it in the middle of the field um yeah Lindry is Just a difference maker. She can play a long ball. She can strike a ball. She's got amazing vision, and her work ethic is out of this world. Uh, Naya Wilson, so creative. Um, Allison Alassie, holy crap, that girl's fast and can strike a ball. (laughs) Fast. Like, (laughs) freaking fast. fast. I think she runs at a 45-degree angle. (laughs) Um, You know, and and even those that aren't playing – you know Jelena and Trinity and and Lily like even those that aren't playing and getting the the minutes that the other players are they're so engaged and they're they're working so hard um and and you know some of those aren't playing a lot cuz of injury and they're coming back Jelena had a foot surgery Trinity was ha- having some tendonitis issues like they're just working so hard and showing up and it's tough being a first year and watching all these other first years play and maybe not getting the minutes that they the rest of those first years are, but they're showing up and, and working hard and embracing their role even though that that's a tough dynamic as well. So honestly I couldn't be more proud and excited for them. I just know the future's super bright and I think that next year's class will be just as talented and hopefully lift us that much more.
1: Emma, I just want to get your thoughts too. I mean, whatever you, you're you and Morgan are like the two veterans on this team. Okay, even some of the returners. I mean, you've got Claire and Aaron are juniors. and You've got a sophomore in Erica Quick who has been there, and Kenzie the Oler King. They're you know sophomores, but you and Morgan are the two that have kind of been through everything all the way through. What has this class meant to you as far as what they've brought to the program?
2: They've brought so much. This is going to be the first year that this is an all-Allison recruited team, and it's definitely showing. It's it's amazing to see because everyone wants to be there, and they came here to this program for this program. Like, they wanted to be here. They wouldn't just, oh, I have the opportunity to play in college. I'm just going to go play. It's they want to be here. They want to show up to practices and everything, and it's great to see. And just – The level of intensity that they bring in, whether it just be a classroom meeting or in an actual training session, it's, it's great to see that. And like, I'm happy that I have one more season left, but I'll be leaving this program and I know that they'll be in perfectly good hands. Like they're, they're going to do so many great things and this class is just the start of it. And then the next classes after that, it's just going to be great to watch them like grow into an amazing team
1: and the amount so. of balance it is that i've seen in terms, in terms of skill levels what they all bring to the table it's all somewhat different like they all have different skill sets mm-hmm. but it comes together really well i mean that's the thing that i've noticed i mean tori plays a really nice long ball out of the back Alyssa does as well um you know lindry i mean you and i identified her right away i mean i remember when her her video came in <laughs> You know, and at the time, I remember you thinking, wow, this girl's from Colorado. And she sent in a a video of her playing. And I happened to be there when Allison and she said, well, would you want to take a look at this video with me? And I said, sure. And we watched like five minutes. It's about a five to 10 minute video. And we both came away and said, that girl can play. That girl can really play. And here she is now. And now she's a center midfield on your team. Um, you know, and also I know Allison as well. I mean, you are talking about her speed. John and I turned and looked at each other after the Martin Luther game and said, she can really wheel. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> and it's like, she's going to have some
0: success because you can't defend that. No.
3: No, I don't know nobody, how you do.
0: Nobody
1: can keep up with that to defend it. So, no. it, I mean, she made a couple of turns against Martin Luther where she ran right past her defender. I mean, not like where she was, like, a step or two ahead, like, she blew by her. Like, it was, like, there she was barely in the, in the picture, <laughs> you know. Yep. And we turned and looked at each other, like, we haven't had that kind of burst on the outside mm. for a while. And it's nice to have all that with the freshman class because now it also adds in with, like, Anna Schussman coming back, who mm. has kind of carried the offense for you guys. And now you've got three players that can literally score goals up top. Mm. And Anaya and also Allison can all score at any given time you know, and Claire Smith has had a great year as well. So, I mean, just to see that progression and what this class has brought has been just amazing for me to to watch.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think in the past it's been, it's been Emma and it's been Shoosh offensively for the most part. You guys have been neck and neck as far as points go. And all of a sudden now I went back and I looked at our points and it was like, we have three people really high up on the board and then we have a lot of points spread out throughout the roster. And it's, I don't know that it's ever been like that. It's been it's been the Emma and Shush, uh, not show, but <laughs> the weight's been on their shoulders. It's on their shoulders. We know when we're in t- we. In the past, when we were in tough situations, it was like, okay, well, it's going to be MR, it's going to be Shush, probably, that gets us out of there. And
0: everybody else knew that, too. Yeah, exactly.
3: Yeah. So we were constantly trying to find them. Now, I don't know what people do, honestly, when they're coming up with our scouting report. <laughs> well, we got to circle Emma, we got to circle Anna, we got to circle Naya, we got to circle oh, Allison. Yeah. Like,
2: what do you do? So yeah. Good luck. <laughs> I genuinely I'm sorry, think, I genuinely think everyone could probably score on the field. I feel yeah. like they'd be they're all the scouting numbers. Like our yeah. whole team is just watch out for all of them. Well yeah.
1: Lindry hit one from about thirty yards out against Whoop, Bethany that clipped the post and I was kind of like whoa. Yeah. Like I mean, I think that was another one was where you turned and looked at me and said, Lindry's got a a, she's got some serious fire in that right leg of hers and mm-hmm. she really let go of that ball. And that was one of the things that we saw in her highlight video that she can go yeah. strike a ball. But, um, you know, that was one of those where I was kind of hoping it would go in just because of, I to see as much balance as possible is great. You know, that's what Joe Mooney's been able to achieve with the guys. We were talking about how many different guys have scored goals on their team this year. And now we're starting to see that balance with your team as well. Mm-hmm. You know, where different players are stepping up at different times and scoring goals. And, that's to me, that's how you become a really, really solid soccer team yeah. is when you have all those different options and you have all that different depth. You can get goals from all these different sources. Absolutely. It just makes life that much easier. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I can imagine for Emma as well, you being a forward, um, you know, playing with that much skill around you mm-hmm. and young skill that's hungry. It just opens up so many different avenues.
2: Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, and the other team, you can just see them going, Oh geez. <laughs> you yeah. know. We have to try to, you know, we have to keep our shape at all times. We can't have any screw ups because they're going to score on us if we do. So, it's just been a lot of fun to watch. I mean,
0: I I I imagine for you, it's opened up a whole new world too, for how you approach every aspect of your game, hasn't it?
3: Yeah. The first of all, then maybe this sounds crazy, but the the type of drills we can now do and the amount of knowledge that goes into those drills, I get to coach at a higher level, which is just extraordinarily fun for me. Um, we do this drill diamond passing and it's like starts really easy and then it gets kind of complicated. And I, it was like the first week of practice. I'm like, well, it never went this easy. It's the very first practice ever before. Um, so just the amount of of athletic intelligence, like deep understanding of the game is, is there. Um, and then beyond that, I think as we get the success on the field, the, the amount of recruiting that's going to start opening up to us. Um, in the past, when I first got here, I was – outside of you, I know you t- were talking to Augsburg, um, but outside of Emma, I was mostly grabbing – People that were either not going to play or come play for us, maybe, maybe they were looking at like another school in our conference. Uh, but now we're we're snagging people off ac teams and we're snagging people off Yac teams, and we're. I think there's going to be another level of recruiting that's going to also come from the experience and the knowledge and the the skill that we have this year.
0: What's what's the recruiting been like? For every sport, every coach, it's been a little bit different. Obviously, the Zoom is a bigger piece of it now. But you you get, you know, like talking to McKenna, you go, nobody's playing. Right. So this is really, really difficult because nobody has a chance to see anybody play. You're going off of stuff that's two years old. Yep. So what's that been like for you?
3: It's been Hmm. a a mess. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a mess. Um, there's been a couple events that have happened over the winter. Um, so we've, we are starting to build out that 2022 pool, but usually at this point we're halfway through building it out. And right now I feel like I'm mostly starting from scratch. So this summer we're going to be, th- I'm going to have three months between being in season. And in that three months I need to build out an entire 2022 pool. And at some point I'd like some vacation and maybe some time off. We'll see if I'm lucky. Uh, so It's been a mess, but at the same time, I I know that if we do the right things, if we're working hard and getting out to enough events, uh, the options are going to be there because of who we have in the the program, the skill and and success we've had on the field. Um, And then honestly, what always sells our recruits, in my opinion, is the players. When they sit down with the team or when we go on tours and we bring a couple players with the players sell the program. I don't, I don't do much. Like, I'm just like, yep, this is what it is. Talk to them. Um, so it's their the player's work ethic. It's the player's ability to, to communicate what is meaningful and important to them. Um, that really sells our recruits.
0: Has it gotten easier? The, the sales pitch?
2: I mean, yes and no whenever we like have a recruit Allison always kind of warns them like we're a off topic you're going to have group. to embrace the weird yes <laughs> it, that is basically what it is like we'll answer a few questions that they'll have and then off of those questions, we'll go on tangents about things. And we'll just...
0: Geez, where have we had that happen before? I don't know. <laughs> never in this department. Never in this no. room.
2: Yeah, never in this... But that's just honestly what we do. Like, they'll just ask one question and then we'll go off of that and we'll end up talking about something completely different from what their question was. That's
1: a good way to recruit, though, I think. Because that really does make you feel like it's more than just being a soccer player.
2: You don't feel like you're sitting on a panel and just answering yeah, questions about
1: something. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it opens it up to a level of connection possibilities that aren't always there for every program i mean some programs you go into and and you know you're answering questions about how does she run this practice how does she do this how does she do that you know and maybe there are a few of those in there but if you're able to reach them on a personal level and 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 talk outside the sport too and just say hey here's what we do you know there's just such a level and i i keep coming back to the word comfort I think within your program amongst your players. And that's always been there since you've been here that the players just really, they really have, they're very fond of each other, and but they're very fond of their coaches too. I mean, it isn't just a case of, you know, we have a lot of skill and there's some personality conflicts with, with, with in between in the team with each other and with the coaches, but we're good enough to overcome it. This is a group that really does enjoy being around each other, you know, because of that openness, because of that, like you said, embrace the weird, you know, you embrace the individual is kind of the way I read it. Mm-hmm. I want you to see s- that on the shirts for next year. Embrace <laughs> the weird. <laughs> you got it. But you know, just the fact that there's enough comfort there to say, yeah, you, you know, you don't have to be, you know, a cookie cutter version of what we expect the soccer player to be. Right. We embrace everybody being their own person and doing their own thing. It doesn't mean that, you know, you're not welcome and you're not going to be supported here, you know, because we're not all about soccer. We're all about each other. Mm-hmm. You know, and the fact that we have all these different individual personalities and they work together and it, you're okay being yourself. You'll be okay being yourself here. Mm-hmm. We're not going to judge you, you know, um, you know, so don't feel like you have to come in here and put pressure on yourself to be something that you're not. And I Absolutely. think that's you know, just the for the sake of it. soccer. That's you know? the
2: beauty of it because we had like Claire and Aaron's freshman year. Claire did not talk whatsoever. Like she just didn't. And we were at, I don't even know what we were doing, but she started to just open up and she was just, she had this personality that we didn't know that she had. We were like, oh, like she's opening up to us. Like, this is a good thing. Like, and it was just great to see that, like, she was finally comfortable with us because she saw us getting out of our shell. Like, it was nice to see that she was like, okay. She felt comfortable
1: enough to come out a little bit. Yeah. yeah.
2: It was just great to see that. and. It just takes a little bit for some people, but once it happens, there's no going back in the shell. Yeah. And sometimes there's sometimes <laughs> where you're like, okay, maybe go back in the shell a little bit, but it's like, right, yeah. but it's just great. It's just an environment that I think that a lot of people love.
1: Well, especially for potential freshmen too, because mm-hmm. a lot of them, it's the first time they're away from home. You know, they're living on their own. They're living with a roommate that they don't know yet or whatever. Uh, you know, they're taking classes in buildings that they might not understand, you know, have been in before. I mean, it's completely different. It's the difference from going to senior high school to freshman year in college is is a huge jump, and I'm not even talking about the sport. I'm talking about just life in general. And so, for me, like that would have been something that would have been really attractive to me is like, yeah, we have a bunch of different personalities on this team, and it's fine. You don't have to be. Don't feel like you have to conform to what we are. Be yourself. Mm -hmm. We'll like you just fine. You know, and you'll still be supported and 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 quote unquote loved here and. We'll go through it all together. And, you know, that's a powerful recruiting tool. So I'm not surprised at all that you've been able to get the quality of players and the quality of people that you've been getting into the program. Because it's when you open that door up for what is can be a pretty anxious time, especially for an 18-year-old to come in, you know, they, they need that support a little bit. Most of them need that support. And, you know, it's like, yeah, I could definitely see myself playing for Allison because. Well, and I, I think. You've been, more than any coach I've seen in my
0: time here, you've been very deliberate about that, about cultivating that within your program. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah. Since day one, the the saying has been love and hard work is the way. Like, just those two things. And for me, love is that connection. It's that comfort. It's being able to (laughs) allow them space to embrace their weird. It's for them to feel comfortable enough to come to me if there's issues or problems or even if they're just unhappy with what's happening I want them to feel comfortable and this program ultimately and I I know maybe a lot of coaches might, might do it differently but my big thing is when I remove my ego and let it be just about them we're at our best it's not how they play and what results we get, it's not about me and it's not about what I want. It's about creating a space where they can talk about what they want and how they want to get there. Um, that's when they're they are they're at their best. They're bought in, they're excited, they feel empowered. Um, so yeah, since day one, it's love and hard work is the way. And, and love is not always rainbows and butterflies. Love is also tough conversations and, and being real and being honest. Um, And that's that's not always easy, but we find a way to do it.
0: Well, the results have been good. Thanks. There's no doubt about that. It's the trajectory's been up from day one, and it's been a lot of fun this year. So I'm glad to be a part of it so far. Thanks, guys. Coach Degroat, Emma Street. Thanks for stopping by.
3: Thank you. Thanks, Matt.
0: We'll take a break, and we will come back with more of "I Have the Swarm" right after this.
2: Workers Island Inn is now hiring and there's a position just for you. Apply for front desk, housekeeper, bartender, server, cook, and dishwasher. We are hiring great people like you. Call or click for more information
0: and apply today. back for our final segment of this week's I have the swarm and that was a, a good conversation that was really that good. was a good conversation and I I think because it was we we talked about a little bit off air Matt to me her approach is just so much different yes than just about every other coach I've met and you, you do see coaches getting results in various sports and everything right. she's getting results and taking a totally different approach and it's it's Interesting to talk about the way that she goes about the business with her program, because it is different.
1: It's very different. Um, I kind of liken it, to be honest with you, John, and now that I'm thinking it through, because I played for coaches like you did, where everybody was supposed to kind of fit a certain mold. Um, I liken it sort of to, and this is on a lower level, but personality-wise, the way it's been kind of portrayed to me, it reminds me of Brady Starkey at uh, Concordia St. Paul. Now, for people who don't know, Brady Starkey... At Concordia St. Paul with their women's volleyball program has built quite possibly the best program in the country yet. I'm level. still
0: waiting for ESPN to do a you know, like an <laughs> ESPN short on them. Yeah. Because of it's the the most unheard of dynasty in the history of college sports.
1: And it might be you could put it right up there with John Wooden and UCLA. That's where they're at. And that's not exaggerating. I right. mean they have won under Starkey, what have they won? Uh, nine national championships. What is it? Nine, it's nine or ten? Yeah, it's it's and he's been there since like two thousand and three. I want to say. So in seventeen years, he's won like nine national championships, or right. something like that, and he's made it to the final four. I don't know how many times. And in seventeen years, they've lost sixty six matches. Yeah, they're like five fifty like and sixty six. Yeah, his
0: winning percentage is nearly ninety percent. You know, does he get to seven hundred wins or?
1: 70 losses first, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, that's the kind of trajectory he's on. Um, and in the NSIC, which is the best volleyball league in the country, his conference record going into this year, of course, they didn't play. Um, but they were ranked number two in the country this year. That was preseason poll. Um, he, in the NSIC, since he came there, 298-22. and 22. Crazy. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah. That's, that's a winning percentage in any league that is ridiculous. In a league as good as the NSIC where you have that's five insane. teams ranked, it's yep. crazy to have that. Be your career mark in the league. Yeah, but he takes a very similar approach. His approach is very—it's not hands off, but it's a very comfortable embrace. Your—it's okay to you know embrace the weird. Like that's sort of he's known, I guess, in timeouts when his team is struggling, which isn't often, to crack a joke because he feels like his team is too uptight. Relax, guys. Just play the game, Mm -hmm. you know, and. Allison kind of gives off that sure. that kind of vibe, that kind of like, all right, you guys are uptight. You're too uptight. Need to chill. You know, <laughs> like she has that kind of approach where she lets her players be who they are. She doesn't try to fit them in any kind of mold mm-hmm. except when they're on the field because we need this from you. We need this from you. But as people, she doesn't try to have any kind, like there's no cookie cutter way right. that she wants her players to be. And that's, In this day and age of coaching, I think it's probably kind of the going trend now. I mean, you want to get good players, but more importantly, you want to get players also that believe in what you're doing and and believe in each other and are comfortable with the fact that, yeah, I'm a little bit different than some of these other people, but it's okay Mm -hmm. because we're all on the same page and we're all going for the same goal. Sure. It's a very different approach. but It is. It it absolutely is, and I love it. It's refreshing. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's
0: fantastic. Yeah. And I'm thrilled for her in that program that they're getting the results they've been getting so far this
1: year. Right. Yeah. And, and you and I also talked before we started recording here, this final segment that, you know, if she keeps going the way she's going, she's going to build something really special with the Mm -hmm. women's program. So, um, it was great to have both her and Emma come in. Oh, absolutely. So absolutely.
0: So we've talked we've had multiple times now where somebody has said, take a breath. And for us here, we take a breath this week because we have only one home event between last Wednesday and next Wednesday. (laughs) Yeah, everybody's on the road this week. Uh, I don't know how it happened, um, but I am going to take full advantage of not having any home events on Saturday.
1: I have three days in a row off from broadcasting on a weekend for the first time in... Probably since sports started again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was supposed to broadcast UMD Baseball, Covid, uh, uh, covid has nipped or bitten the uh, St. Cloud State baseball team, so UMD had their weekend series with St. Cloud State canceled, and so as a result, because I was supposed to be broadcasting their games over at Wade Stadium this weekend, I've got nothing, and it's kind of a weird feeling to mm-hmm. be honest with you. Like it's, <laughs> I, I don't mind it. Yeah, it's, I don't mind it because I do have a list of projects around
0: that I got done last spring because we were working from home and didn't have anything going on right? that are sitting here knocking at my door going, hey, when are you going to take care of this? Well, I might finally have two days to get them out of But this
1: plan. has got to feel better than that, though, because that was because everything was literally shut down. Right. And you're like, oh, my gosh, I don't know when we're going to get back. And so now I've got time. This is we're taking a breather because yes. we've been so busy with, with sports and stuff. Yep. So it's a different kind of correct break. Yep. And, and it must feel different and for you. It's guessing. at a really good time.
0: Yeah. It's at a good time because I'm – I'm as tired as anybody right now. Oh, so. I bet. Yeah. yeah. So yeah.
1: anyway, road matches. Let's talk about. Yeah, <laughs> let's talk about them. Okay, women's soccer, as you know, uh, on the road. They're on the road twice in the next week. They will be uh, Saturday as we record this, or tomorrow as we record this on a Friday. They'll be at Minnesota Morris, and then they will be back on the road again on Wednesday at, at Northwestern for a pair of games. Both those are 1 p.m. starts on the road. Same story for men's soccer, except that they will be at 3.30 p.m. starts. Those, of course, are doubleheaders, as they normally are with men's and women's soccer. Mm -hmm. Um, So both teams will be on the road a couple times this week. Softball, by the way, this week. They are also at Morris, so it's like a big road trip to Morris, at least on (laughs) Saturday it is. Doubleheader for Coach Melissa Fracker and the Yellow Jackets against the Cougars 1 and 3 p.m. down there. And they are also on the road on Wednesday again. But they're going much shorter distance this time across the bridge to play uh, saints Glasgow at Kenwood Field. Um, I'm not sure what the weather forecast is. Usually, I, I haven't looked those. that far ahead. Yeah, so, but they will be local. So if you get a chance uh, and St. Glasgow allows fans in, I don't know if they do or not. Yeah, I'm not sure what the spectator okay, I haven't but, looked to uh, see what the spectator policy uh, they're is. They're just across the bridge playing at St. Glasgow. It'll be 3.30 and 5.30 p.m. doubleheader against St. Glasgow. Those should be pretty good games across the way, by the way. Baseball, this week, they are at Bethany Lutheran tomorrow for doubleheader, 1.30 and 4 o'clock. And then they'll be back home on Wednesday taking on Hamlin. That's our one home event. A doubleheader as they stop step out of conference play to take on the Pipers for 1.30 and 4 o'clock. Are those going to be a pair of nines? Or what's the as,
0: I asked Frank, and he
1: said they're they're looking to play nines. Okay, So, so it's going to be two nines. So it'll be a couple of non-conference games on Wednesday for the Yellow Jackets taking on Hamlin. Men's and women's tennis uh, this week. They are at Bethany Lutheran tomorrow. Both teams, 1 p.m. They have a busy week, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, Sunday, they are back home to take on Crown. That'll be both teams at the LJ, I get Outdoor Tennis Complex. Is that gonna? That's weather dependent, I assume. I, I, yeah, that's it.
0: Anything outdoor is is dependent yeah, on weather. Right. I, but I, I don't know for certain because this depends on. This is a coach to coach thing. Okay. Um, if they're
1: willing to go inside. Willing to play at, at the field house. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So 2 p.m. though against Crown. That'll be on Sunday. And then they're scheduled to play again at home on Wednesday against Martin Luther. I think that's a man. Is that, that reschedule games? Yeah, that's a, that's a But I, think I that's don't a know from when. Okay. 2 p.m. is what they have right now. But that's, again, at the Yellow Jacket Outdoor Tennis Complex. At least that's where it's scheduled for now. Yep. And we'll see if that changes. Uh, men's and women's golf this week. The women are at the Battle at the Creek, hosted by Bethel at the Pebble Creek Golf Club in Becker, Minnesota. That will be a good opportunity for the LJACs to get a kind of a read on that course. Because later on, both the men and women will be at the UMAC Preview. Both those- That's imagine- on Tuesday. Yeah, that's on Tuesday. That's a, that's a reschedule yeah. from this last Tuesday. Yeah, that's a reschedule from this last Tuesday. Um, 10 a.m., the matches on the preview day will get underway. And um, I don't think they have a time yet for the – I'm assuming it's going to be like an uh, 11 or a noon. Yeah, something like that. But anyway, so both well, – everybody's going to be playing down at Pebble Creek. Yep. That's uh, – even the even the UWS women who are playing also, you know, the event uh, hosted by – Battle of the Creek uh, hosted by Bethel. So uh, both teams will be playing all their rounds of golf down at Pebble Creek down in Becker. Uh, men's and women's track and field this week they are at the St. John's Invitational, hosted by St. John's at Clemens Stadium in Collegeville, 11 a.m. start time there. So everybody's on the road. Yes, it feels like. Anyway, at so least a ton, of, a ton point, of recaps
0: yeah. to write, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so. you know, because I think there's nine recaps total for everything that's happening on Saturday. But uh, yeah, none of it's none of it's at home, and it's just bizarre how the schedule fell this way.
1: It is. It's uh, well, it, and now you're feeling the pain of what Minnesota Marshall is going to have to deal with tomorrow. Because well, I've already felt that pain. Yeah, exactly, more so than I mean, once. You know, I mean, there's a, there's an element of sympathy for them because absolutely there is. They're hosting all these events now tomorrow, mm-hmm. and UWS. is I don't, just, I don't even know if that's it. That's just yeah, that's what they're us. hosting
0: with us. Yeah, it's, I don't
1: know if they have anything else. I mean, they could have football too. Yeah, who knows? So yeah. who knows? Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's, but this is again the the, the COVID nineteen influence on every all of our lives. Thankfully, though, we finally get a weekend where we can take a deep breath and uh, relax because. I actually looked at the schedule too and I and I say this as just the broadcaster, but boy, I I was starting to feel it. Yep. Um especially Absolutely. last weekend I was starting to get tired and mm-hmm. um you know the the midweek game was, was nice, but it's really nice to have, you know, three straight days of nothing. Right. <laughs> so uh first time when you and I, either one of us have had that in a long time. Months. Yeah. It's so. been months. <laughs> so yeah, it's, So that's uh, what's coming up this week, but uh, yeah, um, it should be fun. And, you know, uh, and we're
0: getting into some pretty heady territory here now, too, because you've got baseball, softball that are inching into conference play. right? And those seasons have been a little different because yep. they've had the full non-conference portion of their schedules that they've been able to play. So they're inching into conference play, and like Coach said, two weeks left. Yeah. So the fall sports... Volleyball is volleyball's already done, but the soccer programs are, they're in the stretch now. Right. And this is starting to gain a little bit more importance, because you want to start getting your bodies right, your heads right, right. Yep. and and getting yourselves playing the right way for
1: postseason. Right. And we figure, of course, that the men are going to probably be home throughout. That's our guess. Uh, the women will probably, if they play well this weekend, they'll have a really good shot at hosting at least one game. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a good opportunity that both soccer teams will be at home at least for one round of the playoffs. Um and like I said softball is right in the running as well for a home playoff spot baseball could be depending on how things fall between now and the end so yeah there's a lot coming up uh it just so happens that this week is a little bit lighter and uh, uh take advantage of it for now and then like you said we'll reassess especially going into the later stages of April and then early May because like I said the baseball and softball are going to run all through the month of May to the very end and then um you know we'll we'll see where we're at uh <laughs> by that point but uh yeah, I mean, we, we get uh, kind of a one-week breather here on campus, and then uh, we'll, we're right back to it again after that. So, um, But a lot of fun stuff happening right now, uh, and the fall teams are doing well, and the spring teams aren't doing too bad either. So uh, things are going well right now up on campus. Yeah,
0: it's not, not a bad time to be a Yellow Jacket, that's for sure. And as always, UWSYellowJackets.com to uh, keep yourself apprised of any schedule changes. That come about. We want to thank our guests, Allison DeGroat and Emma Street from the Yellow Jacket Women's Soccer Team. We thank Elliot Sweary as always, for the engineering that he does on this podcast. He's the Big Sound, Matt Johnson. I am John Garver, and thank you for listening to Eye of the Swarm.